Podcast Studios. This, this is the award-winning After 9 with Scott and Kat. Powered by Tony Johal, broker at REMAX Twin City. Your home sold guaranteed or he'll buy it. Hey now. Okay, so... <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm such an asshole. What just happened was messed up, Kat. Yeah. Oh my God. Okay, tell everybody what you just told me because I missed this moment. I missed the moment it happened. I was outside and I was sending an email about our tonight radio show on Fresh 93.1. And I, I I watched this this elderly couple come into the building and and at our front door where we do our morning radio show at 91.5 The Beat, it's got an automatic door, but it's a heavy door. Like you almost don't even want to try and open it by hand because it's such a heavy door and it's wearing at the bottom. It's almost like it's off center. So the door grinds when it opens. It's messed up. Management knows about it. They just haven't fixed it yet. So this guy, total gentleman, he holds the door open for his wife. His wife walks through the door. Then he tried to walk through the door, but again, it was very heavy and he was an older man. Mm -hmm. So as he was going through the door, closed on him and he was like fucking stuck in the door and I'm you know when you're not supposed to laugh and all you want to do is laugh and I wasn't laughing at the situation I was laughing at this guy that was like ah fuck I'm stuck in the door (laughs) so I go like jogging across because I don't go any faster than a jog and I'm like trying to hit the button and I miss the first time and slap the wall and then I'm like open the goddamn door he's being crushed out so He's dying. He wasn't. So I got the, the door starts to open on its own. And then the guy's like, oh, oh. And then he instinctively goes into like grandpa mode. He's trying to figure out what the fuck's wrong with the door. And he's like, look, look, it's broken. And I'm like, I know it's been broken for a while. Sorry, dude. I, I, I pushed the button as quick as I could. He's like, no, no, that's okay. That's okay. And then him and his wife just carried on for their colonoscopy or whatever the fuck it is they're going for. Wow. It was so messed Drama up. Drama at the door. By the way, there's so there's two sets of doors, just for back story. See, and they, if you don't work here, you don't realize. One's heavy because it is, and for those who don't know, any door that's automatically uh, that automatically opens like that for accessibility reasons is going to be heavier. This is also a glass door. So on top of the fact that those doors are naturally heavier if you want to open them manually, this is a glass door, which is extra heavy. So now you're pulling on glass. So imagine that. I want to almost do like a test and let that door close on me and see how hard that is. I bet you that hurt. I don't know if it would hurt that or if you're just ho- stuck. That like, door's heavy. You have no way to pull one way or the other when it's got you wedged in but there. But the, the poor guy could have used the other doors, which are much lighter because they don't have that accessibility button on it. That's right. Anyway, he didn't know that. But uh, oh, poor guy. Poor fella. I know. Poor fella. And I'm fucking trying to hold it in and that just made me have to pee because I wanted to laugh as hard as I was wanted to laugh and oh fuck and then you'd have to go to the clinic to get checked out yeah that, and, and I know I peed I, my pants I, mean, <laughs> I peed my pants because this, this guy got nurse now. this guy got stuck in a door and I laughed so hard I peed myself cat it was a mess in any case he's just fine and he's already uh, diagnosed what's wrong with the door and how to fix it and frankly I'm almost tempted to let him do it because management's known about that door for a while and, and it's still not fixed but Anyway, we'll move on. How are you? Oh, fine. I'm fine. <laughs> fine? Every time I see you, you're either doing an interview or a photo shoot. I How know, did that go yesterday? It was it's silly. The photo shoot went well. We're, we're, we did something a little bit different than usual because um, 
I, I just figured now's the time to do something a little bit different. Your classic radio shots, go ahead and peruse, you know, radio station websites. You'll see the same old shit, right? I uh, mean, now do the one with her arm on you. And yeah. Now, you're a morning yeah. person, so hold your mug of coffee up and smile. Or, hey, you do, you're the wacky afternoon guy, so wear your wacky shirt and all that shit, right? It's all, I don't know. For us, it's the same. For the average person, nobody notices that thing. But for us in radio, we like to switch it up. And that's exactly what yesterday's shoot was. So I brought in props. Ooh. Props, including, but not limited to, tools, a drum kit, an inflatable duck. What's the duck for? Oh, you just wait and see those photos. Okay. Three tangerines and an old rotary dial telephone. I have questions about all of those. Yeah, what, yeah, I, yeah. I'm, I'm curious to see how this photo shoot turned out. I have no doubt it's going to be good because you had a great photographer and and obviously you you would look good in those photos with a good concept for it. It's just I can't imagine why you would need three tangerines for a photo. Oh, I it was I probably didn't need them to be to be honest with you. It didn't work out probably the way that I wanted it to. But we'll see if the photos uh, the photos turned out. We'll find out. Uh, and then, yeah, then yesterday was a couple more interviews, more of the online thing. Today's eTalk, and I have no idea when they're airing that or what the, what's happening with that, but today I have uh, eTalk. Is that weird for you? We'll do a little inside baseball. See, we're owned by Chorus Entertainment, not us personally, but our show is owned by Chorus Entertainment, which owns mm-hmm. ET Canada. The direct competitor of ET Canada would be eTalk, which is owned by Bell. Is yeah. that weird, or does the company I mean, like you doing all this media? Oh, they don't mind, actually. They're the ones that set the interview. But that said, I had ET Canada first. ET Canada came out earlier this week. I already ha- I already spoke with them, mm-hmm. and that story is published if you want to see it. But this is uh, eTalk, who've talked about me before in the show, but I've never actually been on. So I'm chatting with them today. All right. I like it. Sounds good. And then tomorrow, I'm trying to give myself just a break again. Because it's been like, it's nonstop. I did that last Friday too. I gave myself a little, I had a couple last Friday, but I gave myself a break and I plan on just relaxing a little bit more on Friday. Okay. So you're going to find a a more manageable pace because I feel like you're going to break next week. Oh, it's insane. My brain is like fried most of the time. Right now, I don't even know where I am. No, I'm kidding. (laughs) I know where I am. We're in a lot of different studios in a day, and this is just the latest one. Yeah. I like the podcast studio, though. It's- I do, too. The podcast studio is probably my favorite place just because it's so... Oh, I can't believe I just named a favorite place. Ooh. But I do love the podcast studio just because I know this is the place where we can go and just be 100% authentic. And not that we're not that on the radio, but we all know that it comes with some, like we can't swear. Uh, for example, that's one example, but there's also other things. There, we don't have as much talk time on the radio as we do on the podcast, of course. So it's kind of nice to just go here and listen, uh, have some fun, have some laughs, like a guy stuck in a door. Like where else am I going to sit there and talk about that? That's great. I right. love it. Yeah. Yeah, we do have to be a little bit different on the radio. Terrestrial is uh, somewhat. Uh, for now, I mean, I think that that's kind of changing. And people ask us all the time, hey, do you think you guys could like ditch a couple of the songs and just talk a little bit more? Eh, yeah, we, yeah. We've already upped our game a little bit. We and have. We'll continue to tweak it. Um, I'm dying to know what you think of this. I'm going to do a little experiment first. Hang on. Let me see if I can see you. Okay. Galen G. Weston. Oh, my eyes squinted. My eyes squinted when you said that. Galen G. Weston is the chairman and president of the Loblaw Company. And in addition to Loblaw, he he makes sure everybody knows it. Zares, the superstore. I mean, all those are his, including Shoppers Drug Mart and Pharma Pre. So, I mean, Galen 
obviously is making a lot of money right now because the cost of groceries is through the roof and people really want drugs and can't seem to get them here in Canada for whatever reason. So yesterday, Galen Weston was on a call. It was an earnings call with presumably their shareholders. He says, it's a combination of COVID, RSV, and the flu that led to record sales of cough and cold medications over the fall at Shoppers Drug Mart and Pharma Pre. He says the manufacturers of the multinational and generic brands have had trouble keeping up with the spike in demand. Weston told analysts on an earnings call that retailers have been left with limited stock for some medications, and it's difficult to say when the shortages will end. Oh, that is so frustrating. And I know it's not all his decision, by the way, but that is so frustrating. Is this really what it is? Because I, I, I want to call bullshit. Mm-mm. Like, Mm-mm. It, it, this just seems like no. a lie. Yeah, it's, it's not all it is. I think that that's a way of covering his ass as to why he doesn't have product on the shelf. I mean, a, that's what yes. people are looking at. Why don't you have product on your shelf? But look around anywhere. Go to the, the Sobeys pharmacy. Go to Walmart's pharmacy. It's it, dwindling everywhere. It's not like it's accessible everywhere else, but at these Loblaw stores. So him trying to put that on, um, like trying to take the heat away from him, I don't really think that that's a, that's a case to be made. But we know that it's also a government thing, but you know he doesn't want to stir the pot with the government. That's what this whole thing is telling me, is that he's trying not to put blame on them when we know that there is an issue there. And we're still not getting clear, direct answers. We are not getting answers, and it's not okay. It's really not. So let's skip ahead and talk about what actually happened there in the quarterly earnings. We had two major grocery companies report yesterday. These are quarterly results. Everybody, do your fractions. Quarterly results would be three months. In three months, Metro, this is their fourth quarter, I believe, Metro recorded a $168.7 million profit for the quarter. Sales increased to $4.43 billion. Hmm. That was just at Metro, a profit of $168.7 million in three months. Loblaw says their third quarter profit was up 30% year over year, $556 million in three months. Their revenue increased to $17.39 billion Hmm. when Loblaw and Metro are making these kind of profits. And yet we're all struggling to make ends meet to be able to afford basic necessities for our families. Is it time for Justin Trudeau or whomever is in charge to come in and say, listen here, fuckers, you're either going to work with us to lower these prices back down to sustainable rates because this 6.9% inflation that we've got right now was steady in October, by the way, it didn't drop. That is almost directly attributed to groceries and gas. Those are the big two offenders. So we can talk about the oil cartel another time or even later on in this pod, but let's talk about groceries. When they're making 168.7 million a quarter or 556 million a quarter, mm-hmm. is it time to go to them and say, "Listen here assholes, people are struggling to get by. You guys are making insane profits. Either lower your price or we're going to implement a windfall tax that's basically going to take your 556 million down to about 228 million." Yeah, I mean, it's, it seems very fixed to me, this whole thing. It really does, and it's unfair. And yes, I do think that we should put pressure on them to answer to that. It'd be one thing if the profit was the same. It equaled the same because we know that the inflation would be justified. I, I don't think it's justified a lot of the time. 
it still doesn't make sense to me that I can go in and look at a pack of Driscoll's fucking raspberries or something like that at one store and it's seven, like whatever it is now, it's stupid. And then another store, it's like, okay, no problem. It's one ninety nine this week. They're really I, I, I not. Don't, it's not, I don't understand it, Scott. I saw strawberries at eight ninety nine this week. Eight ninety nine. Yeah. But other places, again, like I said, they're this, and it's the same brand. I'm not even talking about, hey, these are only farm, are only available at Farm Boy, for example. No, I'm talking about the same thing, two ninety nine versus eight ninety nine. How can you tell me that you're not taking something well, off the top? Two other things that stood out in the quarterly earnings call that Galen Weston did was number one, they said they've seen a massive influx in sales of no name and PC brand products. Now, they said they would freeze the prices on PC brand products. Remember, they got all that attention yeah. for that a couple and weeks ago? No name was included in that too, right? Because that is owned, isn't that owned by them too? I believe so. Yeah. Uh, listen, is there anything to this theory that they are artificially raising the prices under the guise of supply chain issues and such, hmm. that they're doing that so that people buy their brands, which are a little cheaper, but actually make them no. more money? Well, like we mentioned when that announcement, that big announcement of I'm saving the day, I'll, I'll freeze the prices, which we knew was going to happen anyway from what we heard from the other uh, grocery chains. From Metro. From Metro themselves. Um when he made that big announcement, they had already inflated the prices like crazy. Because I have, I have bought many of PC products, for example, and I saw those inflate that inflation happen like extreme, extreme amounts. Like boxes of you know something might have gone five dollars more than it was a few months ago, and then you're gonna freeze it. Like, give me a break. You already, you already inflated the shit out of this, and then froze it. Mm -hmm. It just doesn't, it's not right. It doesn't pass the sniff test. No. If you ask me, it doesn't. It seems wrong that they're making profits like that when regular Canadians are struggling so much. The other tidbit that came out of that call was he said their most successful brand in this latest quarter, out of all those brands that are under the Loblaw umbrella, no frills. Okay. Well, that's, and that is not the place you go when you want to save some money is no frills. Canada in 2022, we have a record amount of people visiting food banks and the number one most successful grocery chain in the country is no frills. Tell me the economy is horrible without telling me the economy is horrible. Mm -hmm. It's sickening, Kat, that all this is being allowed to happen completely unchecked. Draw, <laughs> I'll start it again, but I'll say it in English this time. Uh, people in Toronto mm -hmm. wondering what's going to happen as of November the 24th. That's when Toronto City Council is going to meet again for the first time. This new city council, the one that was elected a couple of weeks ago, they're going to meet. And one of the first orders of business is a proposal by Mayor John Tory. That during the World Cup, which <laughs> starts this weekend, the bars be allowed to serve alcohol as of 8 a.m. I wish that was like a, the only thing that we, we were talking about. You know what I mean? Remember that's when fun. issues that's like that cool. were the big issues? Yes, I miss those days. I really do. I love that though. I mean, we've seen that before. And when you and I were in, uh, in Toronto radio, we would kind of report and have people on the scene, if you will, at six o'clock in the morning, people ha watching games at bars. I mean, it's just an all around like feel good thing. As long as people do it responsibly, I'll put the asterisks on that. I think we all are aware of what that means. Um, do it responsibly. But yeah, it's good for the industry, too. I'm sure. I mean, I don't know the most recent numbers, but I know that there's a lot of restaurants out there and bars that have taken quite a hit. We know that it has. But I mean, even right now, their numbers are not the same as November of 2019, let's say, for example, mm -hmm. not even close. So if we can help those 
those uh, establishments out and like have some fun and cheer on Canada, which I'm assuming is the point of this whole thing, then I'm all for it. I love it. Okay. Well, I'm going to take it a step further. I think, especially with the pride that goes into the World Cup, there's so many proud Canadians here and that's amazing, but let's be honest, whatever your ancestral roots are, you may be inclined to cheer for them. If you were born in Canada, but you've got I don't know, Portuguese roots, maybe you're cheering for Portugal. If you've got Russian roots, maybe you're cheering for Russia. I don't even know if Russia's in it, come to think I don't, of it. I don't know about I that. I imagine they would I'm be. not refusing to comment on any of what you just said. <laughs> <laughs> okay, but either way, there's a certain nationalism and a certain amount of pride that goes along with the agree, World Cup. Agree, agree, agree. I think that what we should do is use this as the catalyst, the introduction, if you will. We should make it permanent. There are so many People in 2022 in Ontario, across Canada, that don't have the traditional nine to five lifestyle. And when we created the current drinking laws, that was based on the nine to five lifestyle. You know, a lot of my friends are police officers. They do those shifts that that take them out for 12 to 24 hours at a time. And then they want to unwind after work. Well, if their shift ends at 7 a.m., Why should they have to wait four hours to go and have a beer when so many millions of people that do work nine to five can easily go for happy hour when they get off the job? Yeah. It's almost unfair to people who work irregular shifts to assume that nine to five is normal. As someone who goes to, and my shift is a little bit different than those, same with you, a little bit different than those nine to fivers as well. Um, I love the happy hour thing because between four to six, yeah, like let's go, let's go have dinner between four and six and I'll save some dough. I love it. <laughs> uh, but anyway, um, I, I, I don't know if I'm 100% on board for having bars or anywhere, any establishments with liquor open 24 seven, but I, I don't know if it would make that much of a difference. Food. Yes. D- different foods, make it available all the time. Let's go ahead and offer lasagna at three o'clock in the morning because there's people who would love and and whose dinner is at 3 a.m. when they're done their shift, for example. I'm all for that for sure. But it's unfortunate that a lot of these restaurants who have tried this, and there are some places out there that are 24-7 and they're great. There's some diners. Not enough of them because they don't make enough profit. It's not worth them to employ these people there. Yeah. You know what I mean? And have a cook, to have staff in general. It just doesn't work. So it, although it's not necessarily legal to do some of these things, I don't know if businesses would be able to do it anyway, especially considering everything we just talked about, which is the state of our pockets mm. right now yep. and what we're going to spend money on. Now is probably not the time to do that, but I totally hear you on we work differently now. We are not all nine to fivers. That's not what we do as a society. We're a 24 24- seven society so things in that uh, to that regard should absolutely change i'd love to see more chains open with more options open i'm not quick to jump on the liquor right away all the time because i think that that could get kind of dangerous really quick too um for those who are irresponsible i mean uh but i'm all for taking a, a look at what we do uh and making sure that it's inclusive yeah, I, I, I'm glad to hear you say that. I, I had a, an interesting conversation about this not that long ago, and inevitably one of the conversations that always comes up as a sidebar from, should we open the bars 24 hours? Should we open them at uh, 9 a.m., 8 a.m., 3 a.m.? Wah. People will say, no, no, it's not good because there's too many people who abuse alcohol. Yeah. Uh, listen, mean- if people are going to abuse alcohol, they're going to abuse alcohol at any time of the day. Yeah, I'd rather them do it at their house, though. There's, I mean, just to be frank, because I know you have to get from A to B eventually. 
It's less people. Would you not argue it's less people, though, traveling around? Because you'd be forced to go to the LCBO, perhaps, or dig into your stash and have it in a safer place instead of, oh, I'm going to drive there and get it. I'm just saying it's more likely that that could happen. I'm just thinking of those guys that are working on the line down the street from us here at Toyota, for example. If you're doing the graveyard shift and your shift ends at 7 a.m., there's nothing wrong with going for a beer after work if you can find a place that serves beer. And by no means do I think that the establishments should have to open, but I don't understand why they wouldn't have the option to open if they see a business model because I'm going to venture a guess that there's demand out there. And them going out at 7 a.m. for a couple of beers before they go to bed at, I don't know, 10 a.m. to wake up at 7 p.m. to do it all over again, that's no different than me working nine to five and going out for a beer afterwards. It's just the end of their day. I wonder if it is. I wonder if it feels that way. And if sun up, sun down makes a difference for them. Um, Because I, I mean, I know a lot of people who are on shift work that are usually pretty effing exhausted at the end of their day because those shift workers are not working your nine to five. They're not working eight hours. They're working 12. That's exhausting for a lot of people. You're on your feet for a long period of time. I know people who work at hospitals, for example, that would say, oh, that's a nice thought, but I'm way too exhausted. My mind is taking a hit. My body's taking a hit. Nobody goes out after work because those shift workers, again, are pulling 12 hours. Like a lot of people are exhausted after eight hours or nine hours to the point where they won't go. I don't see it. I mean, that's just me. From where I stand and what I know, I don't see it being a super popular thing outside of the hours that we know it as now. I'd just like to be able to get a pizza at 7 a.m. I don't know who decided that we can only eat pizza between 11 a.m. and 12 p. 12 a.m., but it's kind of ridiculous for those of us that work in the middle of the night. Cat, a lawyer is claiming that marriage is made up, and it doesn't make sense in the <laughs> modern era. Oh, here's more changes we can make today. Okay, <laughs> let's have a listen. Her name is Cece, and she graduated from Harvard Law School back in 2016 and went on to a high-flying legal career. She just released a TikTok where she she's engaged to be married, by the way, so keep that in mind. <laughs> she says, my biggest takeaway from family law is that marriage is just made up. Yes, there's a long tradition of <coughs> marriages throughout history, mostly for economic purposes, political pressures, or religious purposes. But putting that aside, in the modern era, why would you get married? Especially if you don't have some religious attachment to the institution of marriage. Mm. The woman subsequently claimed that politicians have often encouraged marriage because it's a way for them to create a private social welfare network that makes your family responsible for you rather than having the government be responsible for you. Now, she said, if marriage is made up, there's also a beauty to it. You and your partner can make it whatever it means to you, but you should not conform to the modern definition of marriage. Basically, she wants to take the whole thing and throw it on its ear. Mm -hmm. Now, I'm going to disagree with her that this is some sort of a government plot to ease the amount of social assistance the government needs to pay out because I think that that's what she was implying. But she might have a point. If you don't have any religious reason to get married, and you don't necessarily have any practical reason to get married, why would you get married? Mm. Other than for companionship, you don't need to be married to start a family, mm-hmm. but maybe you do need to be married to buy the house that your family's going to live in. A single income isn't going to cut it. I think some people need to know that that person, and maybe vice versa, need that person that they choose as their partner to know that they're committed. And I think that's what it is. It's almost like a seal, right? A seal of... You and me, I promise this is what I want. So that lack of 
having something there for some people, not for everybody. There's a lot of people out there that just have a partner and have had a partner for years. Maybe they have kids, maybe they don't, but they don't intend on leaving them just because they're not married to them. But for some people to have some form of, we have, well, what do they call it? They call it tying the knot. They call it tying the knot for a reason. This is it. We're tied together. I'm making it official. I'm committing. I'm putting a, uh, putting a final touch on this because this is what I am doing and I commit to you. Marriage is one way to do that. But of course, I mean, I agree with evolving and trying to figure out what else that could mean if it's not marriage. Is there something else we could do? Maybe that means for you, it doesn't involve paperwork. And that's the sticking point where people don't like the paperwork. But don't we all commit to the partner anyway, in one way or another? It's just marriage is just one way to do that. But it's so reversible. I mean, marriage is. is really disposable. Of I mean, course. you can get out of them. I mean, mine's a, a horrible expensive, example. In a very expensive way. Oh, you can get out of me. them. How many years? Six years? Six, six years. Six years in April, yeah. Six years? Uh, I, I would say, though, that she might be right in that in 2022, we could take a look at, at some of the reasons that people get married because maybe they're different from the reasons that people used to get married. Mm-hmm. And along with that, maybe some of the traditions. I, I like what you said. You're right. Maybe marriage doesn't need to be the, uh, uh, we're going to get together for, I don't know, financial reasons. Maybe you guys can keep your finances separate. Maybe you like everything about marriage except the commitment part. Maybe your version of a marriage is less committed, but you're definitely commit less committed romantically, but firmly committed financially and to that unit that you've created at your house. I I think what she's trying to say is you don't have to conform to societal norms when you decide that you want to be married to someone. Mm -hmm. And again, she is engaged that you can decide how you want that marriage to look. And it doesn't matter what other people think of you guys. I don't know. You're married, but you date other people or you're married, but you live in separate cities or separate places. There's any number of different ways you could make it work. And I think she's just trying to get people to look at it a different way. As long as both people are on board with it, I say, absolutely. (laughs) There are those people too, that will have that, that will go in with that uh, agreement, if you will, of, yeah, like we are committed to one another. You are my ride or die, but you know, it doesn't make for sense for most people, but it's okay if we have relationships on the side, like some people do that or, but I'm going to live in this house and you're going to live in that house. Right. And we don't live together. Right. You know, and, and again, as long as it works for both parties, and that's the probably the tricky part is it needs to continue to work for both parties. If this is a lifelong commitment of any kind, then all the power to you. I'm not going to judge you as long as you're both happy. I don't really care. Here's my question, though. When do you have that conversation? Is it before you pop the question or is it after you're engaged? I think you could do it after you're engaged because nothing is, again, nothing is set in stone when you get engaged. How many engagements do we know that got called off or people got cold feet? Things do change. I think it's, I mean, obviously we have the conversation before the marriage happens. Absolutely. You should also have <laughs> hey, an idea Before you though, walk down the aisle, I just want you to know that I fully plan to live somewhere else and see other people. Yeah, bye-bye. <laughs> yeah. I would assume if you know that person well enough to propose to them you should know them well enough to understand what they're expecting out of a marriage in the future because you should have went your separate ways if you weren't in on it to begin with and not waste your time. Could people who are in a marriage right now listening to this segment say, yeah, you know what? We don't have to do it this way. We're going to do it that way and start the conversation about almost revising what they're already in. I mean, I think people do that. I think people do revise their relationship. Um, in in way in different ways, not quite like maybe that's not as common to just be like, hey, 
you know what, honey, next year I'm moving to a different house. Like, I don't think that happens. But what I mean by that is we set different goals for ourselves. And hopefully you do that with your partner, right? You, you, you sit down every few years, not necessarily like formally, like let's sit down for a chat. But you know, you, you mentioned in your goals and your aspirations, and maybe that does mean a change and, and you hope that your partner's interested in it. So why couldn't you have conversations about what the relationship goals look like? You're you should su- have relationship goals. Like, Hey, you know, I would love to have it so that you and I get a chance to do this in five years. Let's make that a goal. And whatever that might be for you. I know it's hard to find a particular um, example, but you should constantly be kind of um, evolving in your relationship. And again, as long as you're doing it together and you both agree, then I guess that's fine. I think we all know that crypto is on its way out. The crypto exchange has filed for bankruptcy. Dude, what are they going to do with the arena, the crypto.com arena? They don't have the money to keep paying that. That's so it's going to have to come down. Fucked. Like, How did that, ch- by the way, because we didn't even get a chance to talk to that um, on our on our radio show, really, in, in uh, detail. What the hell? Like, how quickly that flipped? Yep. Well, I mean, it started just as quickly. It did. And there it were did. a lot of yeah. people that made a shit ton of money off of crypto. And I don't think it's dead. When they got out at the right time though. Right. I don't think it's dead. I do think that there is going to be a demand again for an alternate form of digital currency and crypto will come back. This is a lull in the market and a and hundred years from now when everybody's using crypto and it's just the normal or it replaces cash, people will look back on fall 2022 and say, oh, wow, that was crazy. That was like the Great Depression. But I do think it's going to bounce back like most do. However, I'm worried about some of the celebrities that are involved here. Uh Uh-oh. A host of Hollywood and sports celebrities. Are you actually worried about them or are you just kidding? A little bit. Okay. Have been named as defendants in class action lawsuits against the cryptocurrency exchange FTX. Larry David, Tom Brady, Mm. Shaquille O'Neal. Maybe that's why Giselle got out. (laughs) Steph Curry, Naomi Osaka, and many others are all named in just one of the class action lawsuits. Listen, we're not talking about a couple hundred bucks or even a couple thousand bucks here. We're talking about money in the hundreds of millions and billions of dollars. And I know Larry David's got Seinfeld money and and Tom Brady's got, he's got New England and, and Tampa money. And the list goes on and on and on. Shaq, we all know he's worth a fortune. Steph Curry, of course, they don't have enough to pay off this settlement if they are found liable or if the court finds that they owe money to investors who lost everything on this crypto exchange. I don't, I'm don't. i finding it hard to figure out, like, why would they be guilty in this? Um, because they encouraged and they endorsed it? Is that why? Like, where does the guilt lie? Tell me what they've done wrong. The suit argues that the their celebrity status made them culpable for promoting the firm's failed business model. Mm. FTX has been in the public eye for more than a week after the third largest cryptocurrency exchange ended up with billions of dollars worth of losses and had to seek bankruptcy protection. Uh, that's that's a, such a dangerous thing for me because I think about, I, I don't know if it's straight endorsement. Obviously, this is more than just an endorsement. But if I'm doing an endorsement for any any number of businesses, I would hate for my name to be on that list of people who could get in trouble for that, even though I'm not actually in the business. Now, if you're in the business of it, I see why they want to make it attempt to make a case, I suppose. But if I really didn't know and I was like, hey, I'm Kat Callahan for Crypto.com. Come spend all your money. I should just be an endorser and that's it. Why do I need to be involved in a lawsuit? But again, maybe there's a lot more to that. 
They say their celebrity status made them culpable. Hey, this sets a dangerous that's, precedent that's, in a lot of different really, ways. I don't like that at all. I don't like the thought that if I endorse something, if I am part of a commercial for something, and my just because my face is on the brand, that's a deal I have with the brand, and it's separate from the actual business. I know that that seems bad, and I know we should also be careful. Anybody who is a celebrity should be careful from the get-go. Mm-hmm. They should go over this with a fine-tooth comb with their lawyer and make sure that they are not liable for anything if, some God forbid, something like this happened. And I don't care if we're talking about a product that's been around for for years. I don't care if you're talking about a the Heineken. You know, that's a that's a beer. Everybody knows it's a beer so far. I'd endorse no, that for free. Like, nothing, nothing <laughs> weird going on there, right? So I could sit in front of a camera and be like, have a Heineken, uh, whatever. But... If something, God forbid, happened with that brand, why the hell am I being named for it? I was paid in that moment to encourage people to drink Heineken because I was getting paid just for that. If all of a sudden they, you know, did something dark and terrible, how was I supposed to know about it? Great question. I don't know how I would be guilty in that scenario other than just taking money for an endorsement. Well, I mean, we have judges for a reason and the judge is going to have to sort through the merits of this particular yeah. lawsuit. And there could be more. I mean, what we know is, o- is only what we know. We know surface level stuff. So for all we know, they were in on something or knew of a reason why or got a cut of something. And that's where you get dangerous. Hey, listen, I understand that the people who lost a lot of money lost a lot of money and they're probably desperate. And when the FTX went bankrupt or into bankruptcy protection, those people lost most of the means to try and recover some of their investment. It makes sense that they would go after the big fish. Hey, if there's an association between FTX and Tom Brady or Larry David and Steph Curry, yeah, you know they've got millions and millions of dollars Mm -hmm. in cash and investments. Maybe this is just throwing shit at the wall to see what sticks. Yeah, yeah. You know, maybe they might find the judge that is the dream judge for this case that actually agrees with them and gives them money. I don't know if it'll happen, but it's going to go through the court process. Okay, guys, we got to go. Hope you have a fantastic Thursday. We will be back tomorrow with another episode of After 9. I believe Dave is joining us tomorrow. Oh, good. I love the Friday pod. Yeah, me too. Me too. Have yourselves a fantastic one. We'll see you in 24 hours. Ciao. For the last 24 hours, uh, RIP Jimmy Fallon has been trending on Twitter. (laughs) Yeah. Even worse, uh, when they heard I died, Ticketmaster kicked me out of line for Taylor Swift tickets. And I go, this is terrible. The makers of Coors Light launched a color-changing nail polish that can be used to help customers decide when their beer is cold enough to drink. Or, if you're out of nail polish, try touching the can. (laughs) Hey, get this. uh, In response to Costco's $1.50 hot dog and drink combo, Sam's Club is now offering the same meal for (laughs) $1.38. Meanwhile, 7-Eleven's like, if you're brave enough to eat our hot dogs, we'll pay you a dollar fifty. The After 9 Podcast is powered by Tony Johal, broker at REMAX Twin City. Your home sold guaranteed or he'll buy it. Hi, it's Shauna, and I might be a bad parent because my kids think french fries are vegetables. Hey, it's Ryan, and I might be a bad parent because I went out for wings when my wife was in the hospital after giving birth. Johnny here. I might be a bad parent because in my house, the tooth fairy gives pocket change. But we're not alone. Len emailed us and said his six-year-old daughter's Tarzan moment going from love seat to lazy boy by curtains made him more proud than any dance (laughs) recital. And Andy left his two-year-old at the rink. All right, guys, I'm sure we're not alone. Like Andy's kid. 
<laughs> For stories and confessions like this, make sure you check out our podcast. It's called Bad Parents and it's available wherever you get your podcasts. I left a glove at the rink.